2: enter the kingdom in imax now playing and theaters everywhere get tickets now you are listening to the dan patrick show on fox
3: sports radio
4: hour two on this meat friday traeger meat friday oh those steaks look good on the traeger grill it's like fall weather we got a fire that we're building outside it's just paulie and myself here with some of the backroom guys Fritzie's at home, McLovin at home, Seton's at home. Glad they're safe and sound. Sure that um, maybe I can leave some steaks for you guys, some leftovers there. I'm not sure when I'll see you guys again, but uh, maybe we could freeze them. Maybe it'll be, maybe it'd be late in the summer when I see you. It looks pretty good, though, right, Paulie?
5: It doesn't look that good. How
4: about when everyone's back
5: together here, we mm. have a tailgate day. Mm. No matter what day it is, if it's a Monday, if it's a Wednesday, All right. well, we do a full tailgate. full tailgate, whatever that means. Well, tailgate means lots of food and beers,
4: drinks, drinks, beverages. And we'll just put on an old football game and watch it. I'm good with that. Build a fire. It feels like it's fall. Ready to go. Build a fire. Got the Traeger all fired up. Uh, You fired up as well, hopefully. Thanks for joining us. Coming up, Sal Palantonio from the Mothership will talk about the schedule. David Shaw, Stanford head football coach, set to join us in the final hour of the program. NFL went ahead with its full schedule release. Texans Chiefs set to kick things off Thursday night, September 10th. But before you waste too many brain cells trying to analyze the schedules, just keep in mind, things change from year to year. They also change from the spring to the fall. And last year at this time, We're talking about Andrew Luck and the Colts, Antonio Brown with the Raiders. This year, the risk of injury is even greater because of the offseason. The workouts have been disrupted. Then there's the coronavirus. The commissioner did not talk about hypotheticals. He warned the teams on Wednesday, do not talk about what if. It's a hypothetical. Here is the course. Stay on course. That's why nobody is critiquing the NFL schedule. We all want this schedule to come off. We want them to start on time. I, I know I'm Danny Downer. I just want to look at it and say, what are, the, what are the possibilities here? There's contingency plans. There's contingency plans for all of these sports. That's all. I, I was looking at what Adam Schefter was talking about, uh, you know, about this schedule. And he said, you know, the commissioner warned teams Wednesday in a memo that uh, team presidents, executives, nobody's allowed to engage in any hypotheticals in the coming season. That they're planning on the Super Bowl being in Tampa, Florida, Sunday, February 7th. Great. Sign me up. But during a pandemic, there have to be hypotheticals. Consider this. Say the start of the season had to be pushed back four weeks. Again, the league's not talking about it, but this is the hypothetical. Then you push back the Super Bowl four weeks. right? You would take games one through four and turn them into games, well, weeks 18, 19, 20, and 21. That's when you would play them. If the start of the season's pushed back two months, first half of the schedule simply could be moved to the back half of the schedule. Assuming Super Bowl can still be pushed back for that time period. These are things that you have to consider. We don't want this to happen. We want to have football on time, college football on time. We want the NBA back. We want, we're, we're forward thinking. You know, we're restless. We want good news. The NFL supplied that. That's why there was no talk of what if, because the commissioner said we're not going to do that. I understand that. My job is to look at both sides of this, to give you a fair evaluation of what I think they're thinking of. I stand by what I was told they were looking at a 12-game schedule as a hypothetical. Now, if you can flip the first four games and put them on the back end of the regular season, they, the NFL has no problem going into the end of February, early March to have a Super Bowl. If you said the beginning of March in Tampa, and maybe you have fans by then, NFL is going to say, fine, we don't care. You know, it, it moves their schedule. It's a little bit trickier with the combine and the draft, but you know, the NFL would gladly accept that if that's the worst case scenario is we move it back a month, we move the Super Bowl back, we keep all these regular season matchups. Because I thought the first four weeks of the season, that's what I was interested in. Where are the games being played and how important are those games? Are there gonna be interconference, interdivision, NFC AFC? You know, can you lose some games here? But what I was told this morning is they're looking at if they lose games up front, they move them all the way to the back of the schedule. Yeah, Paul.
5: Do you think the NFL is less likely to delay their season because they're not beholden to the fans in the stands for revenue? Less beholden to the fans in the stands for revenue? They
4: don't have to worry about kids going to class, being on campus. You know, they, it's fans coming out for one game. Can you have uh, – this was another thing that somebody who deals with security, uh, NFL security – and has been a friend for a long time. And as soon as I texted him, he said, what did I do wrong? And I said, no, I just want to know, can you get into stadiums? You know, like you go to the grocery store. There's arrows that tell you which way to go. You go down this aisle, back up this aisle. You're always moving. And he said, yes, we have explored going into stadiums. How do you maneuver in the stadium and how do you exit a stadium? He said, it's really difficult because once you get in, It doesn't stop there. You know, you can go into a grocery store, you keep moving, and then you go out. You go into a game, and then you keep moving, and then you sit down, and then you get up, and then trying to create an entrance and an exit is going to be challenging if we're looking at fans there. But do I think we're going to see football in the fall? Will it be on time? I hope. But if it's not, my job is to at least ask and try to find out if somebody has something interesting about that. Should the weeks one through four get moved back, the Texans and Chiefs have the toughest schedules one through four. Houston's opponents, one through four, winning 68% of their games last season. Kansas City's first four games, first four opponents, 64%. Now, if I move that to the tail end of the season, that's interesting, too, of how you end up. We, I think it's happened now 19 times in the history of the NFL. A game on Christmas, got a game on Friday. Now the NBA normally opens. Oh, Christmas Day is Friday, so you normally the NBA owns Christmas Day. That's usually when the season officially begins, unofficially begins. But the NFL, and I, I was curious about that when we came in. Paulie said, "How often do they have games on uh, Christmas?" And I said. I know I had to work one Christmas at NBC, but not very often. And then I looked at up the information. I think it's 19 19 Christmases have had NFL football. And it's on a Friday as well. Plus, the NFL, they didn't talk about the Saturday games either. Because if there's not college football, does the NFL take advantage of Saturday night? That wasn't brought up. I know, it's just a hypothetical. I'm just... I'm just letting you in on some of the conversations that I've had. There are contingency plans. There were just no plans to talk about contingency plans last night. Yeah, Paul.
5: And you're right, though. The NFL has always stayed away from Friday night because of high school football. But if they believe high school football in America is less likely this fall, that's a whole new opening.
4: Oh, they're, gonna, they're just going to take over the landscape there. I mean, why not? It's for one year. You just go in and you go crazy. You just say, all right, here we go. We're going to give you Friday. We'll give you Saturday night. You got Sunday, Monday, Thursday. McLevin, did you find out if that was the case with Ravens Chiefs on ESPN Monday night? That no, is, I, I, is, I did
1: not. Uh, I didn't find out yet. I'm going to look, look harder. Well, maybe ask um, ESPN. All right? Yeah. I don't think that was made a big deal of. You, did you see it on the show or you heard it behind
4: I the heard scenes? it that, you know, they're, they're trying to enhance the Monday night schedule and they were trying to get a simulcast with, e, uh, with ABC just to make sure that you got more eyeballs on it. But, you know, ESPN spent over a billion dollars a season for those Monday night games and not even get a playoff game with it. You know, I think they're trying to... I think it's a bigger push by ESPN. The next go-around here, next TV deal... If you have ABC involved in this, now you can host a Super Bowl. Yeah, Paul.
5: I was going to bring this up earlier, but I was watching one of those NFL live shows on ESPN the, the other day, and Booger McFarlane was the main analyst. He was fantastic. He was funny. He was telling stories. He had time to talk. He was uh, breaking down different teams' moves in the offseason, different strategies, and I found him really good. And it had been a while since I'd seen Booger on TV because he does games mostly now. He used to be more of a studio guy. I, and I know this is the, probably not the most original thought, but maybe... That's the better role for him because I saw him in the studio the other day and he was hysterical. He was telling great stories and he had time to talk. He wasn't like doing 12 seconds on a play and then had to shut up.
4: There are guys who are really good in studio and really good in the booth because you have to process that information so quickly. And that's why when Collinsworth does it or Romo does it, you know, there are analysts who do it. uh, and, And that quick turnaround, that's the key. Chris Collinsworth would see something, so he'd watch the play, but he'd already know what he was going to tell you, you know, five seconds, seven seconds, eight seconds later. And you would go, how is he seeing that? If you know what to look for, it helps you. It's just like when Jason Witten got into the booth. He might be good in a studio role. He was not good in live action because he's a tight end, not a quarterback. Like, you know, you have to see the game from a quarterbacking perspective. That helps. Uh, You know, and Chris Collinsworth, former quarterback uh, in, I think he has the, does he still have the longest touchdown pass in SEC history? Well, it can't be any longer. I think it was 99 yards. But I think he only threw the pass about 10 yards and somebody then took it 89 yards. But seeing the game from that perspective helps you. And Booger does tell stories. He's better when he's on Get Up with Greeny or he does a radio broadcast because he's, He's able... You're not constricted by time. Because once that that play ends, boom, here comes the replay. And what is your analysis? And and can you say something that is important? It's bite-sized, and then you move on to the next play. It's really hard to do. It's just there are analysts who make it look easier than what it really is. But... Booger might go into the studio if that's the case. Uh, you know, Orlovsky and Louis Riddick, they're talking about them as uh, two guys to go in with maybe Steve Levy. Levy is a great team player setting you up. And, you know, Orlovsky and Louis Riddick are sharp guys, and maybe they process it quicker. But, you know, you're right. I, every time I've talked to Booger McFarlane, and I went to bat for him at ESPN. I text the president of ESPN. And I said, I hope Booger gets a chance because, you know, when Witten was when there was the Booger mobile and Jason was in, in the booth and it was in his contract that he was the only analyst in the Monday night booth. When they allowed Booger in the booth for a playoff game or at the end of the regular season, I said, that's the best Jason has sounded. But I think, you know, if Booger is able to hold on to that job, you know, it's a learning process there. But you're learning on the job with social media. And I thought that he had, they wanted him to be Charles Barkley. That's what they asked him to be. Hey, be the football Charles Barkley. You can't ask somebody to be something or somebody that they're not. And be the Charles Barkley of football? Come on. For that, you need Charles Barkley. Yeah, Paul. And Charles Barkley is not a game analyst. Charles
5: Barkley is a studio analyst, which which lets him breathe, lets him discuss, lets him make jokes with no time constraints. Barkley rarely does games. And when he does, he's... He's hamstrung because
4: he can't riff. Yeah, it wouldn't. Charles wouldn't be a good analyst. You you have to be able to talk in just burst like, get it out. I'm deciphering it. I saw this. I'm bringing it to your attention. An analyst's job is to tell you something you didn't see because we get to watch. We get to watch and we have play by play. Now, what are you going to tell me? And that's where the analyst makes his money. That's where you go. That separates a good analyst from a great analyst. What are you telling me? And it never fails. Collinsworth always, always, always tells me something where I I just didn't see it or I wouldn't look for it. And Romo is very good at telling you prior to the play, Collinsworth is excellent in recapping the play. Different approaches. Uh, John Madden was so good that he did see it. He understood what he was looking for. Then he added his personality to it. And that was the first time you heard somebody who that, you know, they had this, over, you know, this huge presence there in the booth. Now you had Cosell and Don Meredith, and, and that was one of a kind and never happened again. But, you know, when you're able to process that, it's just like a quarterback. If you are able to process that information in real time quickly, you have a chance to be a great quarterback. If you can't, you got no shot. And it's the same with being an analyst to a lesser degree. What do you see? What do you say? Get the hell out of the way. Here's the next play. I think that rhymed. Yes, Paul?
5: You know, two other guys who do it well in two different sports. Chris Weber is an, a really good game analyst, but he could also fill with stories. Like if there's a break in the action, he can give quick stories. and He's really funny. But Smoltz on baseball, Smoltz will go through a baseball game, and it's like he's got a uh, an instantaneous chart in his head of what should happen next in the what team will do? Like if you're going to bring in the left-hander, they should go to the pen and do that, that. That. And he he explains it to you so quickly, and he doesn't he doesn't dumb it down, but he makes it digestible for someone who didn't pitch in the big.
4: But he's a pitcher, and he sees the game from that perspective. It's like a lot of catchers became great managers because they have to see the entire game, the entire field. You know, it, it's their job to be sort of the eyes and ears for the team on the field. The pitcher, those guys never forget, never. I could say to John Smoltz, pitch you through, eight, you know, in the World Series against the Yankees and whatever game it was, whatever inning, he would know what it was. They just, they had that ability. The Raiders make their Vegas debut. They open up the stadium and it'll be uh, Monday Night Football's 50th anniversary. It's on ESPN and ABC. Okay. I, th- I, I had heard it. I didn't know if anybody made a big deal about it, but... Um, They're going to be both on ESPN and ABC. I don't know how many games are going to be on ESPN, ABC, but I I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with ESPN and ABC with the next round of negotiations here. We were uh, unfortunately stumbling on the, you can't tank for Trevor. What would be other names? And so uh, this audience, uh, abhorrence for Lawrence. (laughs) And then this is from Joe McCarthy. He says, ask McLovin what it means.
1: Did you hate? Uh, you hate your oh your game is like abhorred. It's so bad. All right. I don't know. All right. Don't endeavor for Trevor's my front runner, by the way. What is it? Don't endeavor for Trevor. Oh, that's <laughs> horrible. And abhorrence for Lawrence also sounds like you know you're hating Trevor Lawrence based on the definition of. So it doesn't yeah, but the work.
4: L is for Lawrence. Like we're losing on purpose. It's it's tanking. So that L is for Lawrence. All right, Maybe. Maybe Endeavor for Trevor is better. I don't know. Uh, lazy for Lawrence, Mark in South Carolina? No. This is a bad idea. It Maybe is. Maybe we should go with Justin Fields, because there's more fun names we <laughs> 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 oh, Justin
1: Fields? <laughs> yeah, but then you have uh, the Fields, and you get into some curse words, so we can't do that. hmm Well, F with Fields? No, that's bad. I knew this was bad. Don't Endeavor for any more name segments.
4: Yeah. Ted in Tampa. Hey, Ted in Tampa. hates alliteration. Hey, Ted.
6: <laughs> yeah, hey, good morning, Dan. Uh, I got two things. Uh, first one is uh, last place for Lawrence. Okay. And then uh, number two all right, all right. is uh, we talked last week, uh, uh, six years here in uh, uh, Tampa, and they still got the worst, third worst offensive line. And you told me now it's going to get better. They have the third worst left tackle. And when they were talking to their newly drafted uh, offensive tackle that they got in the first round of the draft, he said, I want the right side of the line. I do not want to play left tackle.
4: Yeah, I know. I heard that. And I went, uh-oh. I thought they had their uh, left tackle. And Tristan Wirfs uh, is a right tackle. Thank you, Ted, in Tampa. They have to be better than last year. I think that was what I was saying. They better be better. You know the, uh, the longest game in NFL history? Dolphins, Chiefs, double overtime. Ed Podolak, I think, was one of the stars of that game. Christmas Day, 1971. Ed po- wasn't Ed Podolak, like, number 16? 14? Is it Iowa oh, Hawkeye? Yeah. Was he Iowa? Maybe? Checking. Iowa or Northwest. Ed Podolak. He had one of those. Yeah, 14 with Lenny Dawson, 16. Maybe it was number 14 for Ed Podolak.
5: Ed Podolak was number 14 at running back, which is awesome. That's awesome. <laughs>
4: All right, we'll take a break. Sal Palantonio will join us. We'll talk to him about some of the scheduling quirks here and uh, what's he think about the possibility of a contingency plan. With the NFL 20 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine to noon Eastern or six to nine Pacific on Fox sports radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick show at Fox or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio radio app by searching.
3: All right, everybody game off. Let's pause here to talk more about monopoly. Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock.
7: And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers, you can trade with friends to compete.
2: a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike, and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX now
4: playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. FSR. Update the poll results there if you can, McLevin. Then we'll make way for Sal Palantonio.
1: Would you rather be two and fourteen and get Trevor Lawrence, or ten and six and sneak in as a wild card? Wild card is actually <laughs> winning about sixty to forty. <laughs>
4: All right. Let's bring in Sal Palantonio, ESPN's national correspondent, NFL reporter. Good morning, Sal. How are you?
6: Good morning, Dan. I hope you and yours are doing well.
4: I think we are. Um, All right. they, um we McLevin, give Sal the poll question. Okay.
1: Would you rather be two and fourteen and know that you're going to get Trevor Lawrence next season or be nine and seven or ten and six and sneak in with a last wild card spot?
6: Uh, You know, I always like to go to the playoffs. If I'm a fan of a football team, get me into the postseason. You never know what could happen. There have been so many wildcard teams that won Super Bowls. And, you know, the draft is a crapshoot. So I'm going with get me in on a wild card. Explain
4: to me the Patriots in primetime, Sal. I get Tom in Tampa, but the Patriots are in primetime five times. What are we going to be watching with the Patriots in primetime? (laughs)
6: two words bob craft cutaway shot in the super box (laughs) i mean come on dan come on that's what it's all about uh you know bill bill listen here's what we want to know about the nfl in 2020 can tom brady win without bill belichick can bill belichick win without tom brady that's it period paragraph end of story that's what i'm looking for to me The greatest Super Bowl ever will be Belichick versus Brady at the Little Sombrero in Tampa. Uh, To me, that's the, the, the greatest possible matchup. And I'd like to see both of them succeed independent of one another. I think it's a great, great story. I really do.
4: Well, I get the Buccaneers because that's new. We've seen the Patriots and outside of New England, I don't think people tune in to watch them. You know, there's a San Antonio Spurs feel to them where you go wonderful, a dynasty, just not, you know, big market sports. And I think that's with I, I'm tuning in to see Jarrett Stidham this year. <laughs> I mean, I am. I, I don't know. You know, Julian Edelman at the end of his career. I, I mean, Sony Michelle, but they're in primetime five times. I, I, I think maybe that, but that they have them there so people can watch to see if they lose. I, I, know, I don't know any other reason.
6: Well, I'll take the counter argument, Dan. I think people want to see whether Belichick can say to the rest of the world, you know what? I can (laughs) beat them with Steedham. That's it.
4: But I don't have to watch them. I can read about that the next day. So come on. That is true. That is true. If I said the top five must-see teams this year, who's number one on that list? Given Kansas City, the Ravens, you got Brady in in, uh, Tampa.
6: Uh, I think it's the Buccaneers. I think it's Brady and the Buccaneers, 1 and 1A. Uh, I think people want to see if Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can get back. You know, it's so hard to go back. Uh, And they have all the pieces still in place. And they're healthy, knock on wood. So I think it would have to be Buccaneers and Chiefs. And then we want to see if Lamar Jackson can win a postseason game. I mean, that's important. And they had, in my view, they had the best draft in the NFL. The best. I think their first two picks were both first rounders. They're going to make them instantly better. And I, I think the Ravens are going to be tough.
4: I, 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 you know, you start to look at this and, and we feel like we've got the season already figured out in May. And there's a lot that happens. We don't know. There's always three or four teams that are better than what we think, and there are three or four teams that are worse than what we think. If I said, give me two teams that are going to surprise being better, two teams that will surprise by being worse than what we think, who would you pick?
6: All right, let's go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Mike Tomlin's got it figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's gonna, that team's going to be better than we think. I think Big Ben coming back from the elbow surgery, they're going to be good. They're going to make the playoffs in Pittsburgh. They have Mika Fitzpatrick, who, in my view, defensive player of the year candidate, without a doubt. Okay. So they're going to be better, for sure. Uh, I think the Jets are going to be better than we think. I think the Jets are a team mm. that could put it all together very quickly under Sam Darnold and with Adam Gase. I think they have no choice, but I think they'll be better than we think in the AFC. I think worse than we think... Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with Arizona Cardinals will get worse before they will get better. I think it's going to be tough for them to get better, and I think people wanted to see them get better instantly, but I think they'll be worse. I think the Houston Texans, I think the Houston Texans will take a step back.
4: I'm trying to figure out this Cowboys situation because I loved the Cowboys last year. Loved them. I, the only question mark I had was coaching. Were, were they going to take the next step? Now you got Mike McCarthy in there, but I don't have Dak Prescott in there. We don't have off-season workouts. I, I just don't know if they hit the ground running. Are you bullish on the Cowboys this year?
6: Everything that they do, Dan, is based on intricate chemistry on their offensive line. And they're going to have a few pieces you know, that they're going to have to move around. And it's very difficult, always, in NFL training camps, especially now, this year, because you're not going to be able to practice as much. We don't know how or when they're going to get on the football field in the summer. The Cowboys' offensive line drives that football team. And if they don't have their act together, it's going to be tough.
4: Yeah, I'm just curious about it because it feels like they have – I don't know if they really address their defense – But it feels like, and it's a copycat league. I I don't know if we're looking at trying to copycat uh, Kansas City or the Ravens. Do you think those are the two teams that we're trying to look at and go, we either have a track team or we have a quarterback who's able to beat you with his arm and legs?
6: Well, I think Dak Prescott is more like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes than Andy Dalton. That's for sure. I think Andy Dalton is more built to do what Mike McCarthy wants as opposed to what Dak Prescott wants to do. So, you know, we're playing, then we're playing option football in the National Football League. Yeah. That's why the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts. We're playing option football. The quarterback has to be able to throw on the run and run. That's the way it, it's working out. Patrick Mahomes II, and I like to say Patrick Mahomes II <laughs> because that's his actual name, and he also happens to be twice as good as everybody else <laughs> on the football field. I watched him in late in the season with those three comeback wins. He basically won a Super Bowl for Andy Reid. You and I can agree on that. Reid didn't win the Super Bowl. Mahomes won the Super Bowl. Mahomes won it because there were instances where he was able to improvise in the second half and the defenses he was playing were static and couldn't improvise with him. That to me is what it's all about in the National Football League. But the difference between Mahomes and Jackson is Mahomes right now is a much more accomplished passer. When Jackson gets there, Jackson will be as good as Mahomes. You know, Deshaun Watson's already there. And that's to me is why I I don't understand why you trade DeAndre Hopkins. I think you give him all the money that he needs because to me, Watson's already there, but without Hopkins, it's going to take, he's going to take a step back.
4: Talking to Sal Palantonio, the uh, national correspondent for ESPN, covering the NFL. What's the coolest thing in your office there?
6: Oh, wow. I have a great collection of, I like to read about history and history of music. So I have a great collection of books. of I've got probably every book written about the Beatles and pretty much every book written about World War II. It's, it's an eclectic difference. I get. I understand But, uh, you know, Belichick's got all those books about football. Uh, I've got all the books about John Paul, George, and Ringo.
4: If somebody says the Beatles aren't the greatest band of all time, your response, Sal Palantonio, would be?
6: Take a hike. You can't you you, you can't you can't you can't have Mrs. Palantonio's raviolis in my house on Sunday.
4: Well, we had this conversation. (laughs) McLovin will occasionally bring up that the Beatles are overrated. And then he knows that it makes me mad. And then it becomes this discussion that we spent about an hour uh, a couple of days ago on the Beatles and their greatness. But McLovin, for some reason, thinks that the Beatles are overrated.
6: Well, in terms of orchestration and musicianship, they're much better than the Stones. They have 27 number one hits. And there's no such thing as Breakfast with the Stones.
4: I think the Stones are the greatest rock and roll band of all time. I just think <laughs> the Beatles, like they're, you don't, the Beatles don't even get on the list of greatest bands of all time. Like they're, they they're. You start with maybe the Stones or Zeppelin or who Beatles are. They're Muhammad Ali. They're in their own category. Yeah, you're not even. You don't rank them. Uh, you know then that. That's the tribute.
6: John and Paul were like Mozart and Beethoven and Rodgers and Hammerstein. I mean, that to me is where you make the comparison. Uh, uh, you know, I I I made the pitch to. Uh, the Centennial Committee of the Hall of Fame. And I said, this is the reason why we put Steve Sable in yeah. with his father, Ed Sable, yeah. because Ed and Steve Sable were like Rogers and Hammerstein, John and Paul. They're like Belichick and Brady. They made beautiful music together.
4: But, so uh, help me understand this with what the Sables did in archival footage. Why did we get to, what, 1982 to start keeping track of sacks? I know. Why? I want to know what Deacon Jones had. I, I want to know what some of these other, you know, the fearsome foursome, you know, some of these great defensive lines, great defensive players. They're not part of history because they're not up on the sack list there, and I think it's unfair to them.
6: It's definitely something we got to look at. No question. You're about there it. at NFL Films,
4: Sal. Can't you just go in there one night and just start looking at footage there? Come on. <laughs>
6: I, I do, Dan, but it's not at sacks. I look at the quarterbacks. Quarterback
4: uh, uh, tell me what, uh, what Joe Burrow's in for this year, in your opinion.
6: Uh, he's in for a hard road. You know, because of, because of the defenses that he's going to play, specifically in that division, the Browns have talent on defense, and they're going to be much more aggressive than they were last year because of the change in the coaching staff. The Ravens have tremendous talent on defense. And we already talked about Minka Fitzpatrick and the way that Steelers' defense is constructed. So within his division, he's going to struggle really mightily.
4: And it's not a coincidence when you see quarterbacks go to teams. They go later in the draft. They have more success because you don't have to be the star. You can sit for a little while. You know, this helped Mahomes. Uh, You know, Deshaun Watson, there's a little bit of a grace period. Joe Burrow does not get a grace period here. Tua is going to get a grace period because of his hip, but it won't last long here. And you're going to teams that they were in that position for a reason. They weren't very good. If you were handicapping, though, with these quarterbacks, three years down the road, who has had more success among the the, uh, quarterbacks drafted this year?
6: I think it's going to be two if he stays healthy, no question about it. One, we're playing option football in the NFL. He can move and he can throw on the run very, very well. Two, the AFC East is not as tough, perennially, as the AFC North. And I think that will be a major difference.
4: So it's great to talk to you and uh, hopefully we'll get back to whatever normalcy is. It's the new abnormal. I call it because there's going to be nothing normal about this, but uh, it's always great to talk to you. I hope you're doing well.
6: Hey, stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you soon, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show.
4: That's Sal Palantonio from the mothership. By the way, my Cowboys, zero and five in games decided by seven points or less, only 17 takeaways in those 16 games. They could score points, but when you had to score, They didn't score and they didn't take the ball away. Say what you want about the Chiefs' defense, but without Chris Jones, they're not winning the Super Bowl. Just not. Mahomes was wonderful. Wonderful. But you got to have defense. You got to have players. You got to make plays. At some point in the season, you have to make a play, you have to make a stop. And with the offense, you have to be able to score. And I'm not talking about. Scoring 30 points a game—it's you. Your, your, these seasons come down to one stop or making one score. That's it. It truly does. Kansas City should have lost when you think about it. San Francisco's defense collapsed, and Jones knocks down two passes. If he doesn't do that, San Francisco is going to win the Super Bowl. It was that close. Look at those games. Look at the Super Bowls that Brady won. Patriots won. One play. One play here. One play. It comes down to that. All of this. All of this is, you know, just eye candy. The winner of this Super Bowl will have a moment where they have to stop somebody or they must score. And they will do it. And therefore, there will be Super Bowl champs. It happens every year. may not be... In the Super Bowl, could be in the AFC or NFC title game. It happens. You can't forget about one side of the ball. And it feels like we're in a rush to go all in and be Kansas City. And it's really hard because it starts with Mahomes. Then I got Tyree Kill, and I got Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. You, you, it's hard to replicate those. San Francisco has their Kelsey and George Kittle. They don't have a Tyree Kill. Everybody's looking for that. What is our combination here? And that'll be the difference. You're going to try to be Kansas City? Good luck. You're going to try to be the Ravens? Good luck. Being something different might be the answer. Take a break. More phone calls coming up. Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app
2: Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere.
4: Get tickets now. I want to thank our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Panini America has everything you need. A premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL and NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. If you're looking for rookie sensations, they've got that. How about timeless legends? They've got that. and so many more. And you got Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Show. Time now for the Discover Card moment of the week, and we take you back to our conversation with Brooks Kepka. I had the commissioner on a couple of weeks ago. And I said, why don't you, and I brought this up to uh, Bubba Watson. I said, why don't you guys just carry your own bags? That, that way I take the caddy out of this. So even more social distancing, like let's see who can carry their own sticks. And uh, what do you think?
6: it would be interesting. I think, uh, It actually would be a lot of fun just to watch some of these guys attempt to carry their own bag. I don't think some of them have ever picked up their bag in their life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it would be be fun. Who wouldn't make it
4: 18 holes carrying their own bag? Uh, Who wouldn't make it 18 carrying the
6: bag? Mm. I don't know. I actually don't think Bubble would. (laughs) Bubble would be complaining how heavy the bag is the entire time. I love the guy, but there's no way he makes it around
4: 18 with that bag. And then Bubba Watson heard about it, and then he tweeted to uh, Brooks Kepka and he said, you may be right. Uh, I did make it nine holes carrying my bag today. That's our Discover card moment of the week. Get a free credit score today, even if, even if you're not a Discover customer. It, it includes your FICO credit score. Checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Jason in Maryland joins us on the program. Jason, good morning. What do you have for me?
6: Uh, What's well, so up, Dan? I had a uh, sweepstakes for Trevor. I had a uh, good nickname here. Uh, I I got it. Oh, it's always a two for one. So I'm going to uh, lose them all for T Law. Lose them all for T Law. <laughs>
4: no, no. Don't repeat it like Fritzy does. That doesn't make it any better there. What else do you have there, Jace? <laughs> <laughs> no,
6: that's about it. That's oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah,
4: okay. Yeah. All right. That's it. I have this one. Um, it's from uh, Robert Watson. Underperformance. For Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) How about win never for Trevor? That's Randy in Tampa. Scott in Michigan joins us. Scott, what do you have for me?
6: I've got six foot and then I'm working on it, 350. Okay. I've got quite possibly, I think, the best one of the bunch. (laughs) And in an election year such as this, how has no one chimed in with lobby for Lawrence?
4: Lobby for Lawrence. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Well, you know what? The bar's not very high. Let's put it that way. (laughs) The bar is not high at all. In fact, we need to go to the bar. Maybe that'll help with some of these uh, tanking for Trevor. Let's just stay with tanking for Trevor. I mean, Pauly hates alliteration for a guy who's named Pauly Paps, but tanking for Trevor, tanking for Tua, well, at least we didn't put gate at the end of it. I hate when it, no matter what happens, it feels like you add gate to it.
5: You know, I'll tell you, abhorrence for Lawrence is really getting in
4: me. It, it, <laughs> abhorrence for Lawrence works
5: because something is abhorrent, it's awful, it's repulsive, and a team that's 1-15 in 15 would be
4: abhorrent. And you could also learn something in the process because you might not know what it means, and it forces you to Google it, and then you find out what it means. So in the process, it's a teaching moment. That's what we're trying to do. Yes, McLovin? But you kind of know, like, you don't know
1: exactly what abhorrent
4: means, but you kind
1: of know it's negative, right? Like, yeah, it I'm just not...
4: sounds like, like when it leaves your mouth abhorrent, it doesn't sound like that's, you know, verbal bouquets being tossed around here. Yes, McLeod.
1: Well, Todd threw out don't endeavor for Trevor, which is like a double negative, so it's confusing. Does that <laughs> mean don't try and get Trevor or do try to get Trevor? Don't
7: give great thought to what Todd is telling us. Don't, endeavor saying... for,
1: don't try to win so that you can get Trevor. Don't make any efforts on the
7: field. We're not being very (laughs) clever for Trevor. Honk. Yeah, it is
4: Friday.
1: Abhorrence for Lawrence means that, like, you have a distaste for Lawrence. That it just reads bad. It sounds great that we found a rhyme for Lawrence, but it wouldn't make sense if you just read it the way it's
4: written. Is yours better?
1: I think it's slightly better. It's not winning any prizes, but uh, at Lawrence for Lawrence sounds like we have a distaste for Trevor Lawrence. And I think, I think L it.
4: is for Lawrence. I, I like that one just because it's a loss is for Lawrence because we're trying to get Lawrence there. How about just tanking for Trevor? Let's just go back to that. Like <laughs> I, all right. We tried. You know, sometimes we fail. You know, Tampa Bay, we didn't fail. The Gronkaneers, we didn't fail. This, we failed. I don't think we're ready for a T-shirt yet with uh, Trevor Lawrence there. Oh, but wait, Brett in Virginia joins us. Hey, Brett, what's on your mind?
3: Hey, DP, 6'2", two, two 7 and 3 quarters, head okay. Uh Haven't heard lacking for Lawrence.
4: Lacking for Lawrence. Okay, lacking for Lawrence. Whew. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> Thank you. I was talking about David Carr. Yeah, David Carr. No, Derek Carr. Derek Carr and uh, McLevin said, you know, the knock is that he's a dink and dunk guy. And you're right. His uh, completions last season were an average of just over five yards downfield. Second shortest among the 32 qualifying quarterbacks. The only person who had less of an average completion downfield was Mason Rudolph. You would expect that for a young quarterback who's just trying not to make any mistakes. Derek Carr's in the position where you really have to push the envelope here. And they went out and got rugs. You got to throw it down the field with rugs. And that's, that's one of those Al Davis draft picks. Somewhere Al Davis is saying, take the rugs, kid out of Alabama. They're going to throw the ball deep. And I always love the Raiders. They just, you know, they made no excuses about how they played and who they were. And they threw the ball down the field. When, when Daryl LaMonica, who, when your nickname is the Mad Bomber, what, what a great nickname. Although the defense probably knows how to defend you a little bit. It's like, <laughs> uh, we're not going to let Cliff Branch run past us. Freddie Belitnikoff? Freddie Belitnikoff was probably the first of many of those undersized white possession receivers. He was, he was Julian Edelman...